Are you ready for the word? I want us to open our Bible to Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 24. Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Are you there, somebody? We are all going to read together in unison. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Are you ready? One, two, let's go. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one. Does this sound interesting? All right. So therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now, when the Bible speaks of this matter, there's a word there called cleave. And the word cleave in the Hebrew context is the word called dabak. Say with me, it's what word? Dabak, D-A-B-A-Q. And what does dabak mean? Dabak means to stay close and to pursue closely. To what? Pursue closely, to follow closely. So, as much as there is an element of oneness in this verse of scripture, there is also an element of continual pursuit in marriage if it's going to work. There's an element of continual pursuit. Such that a man and a woman that have come together in the marital union should make efforts to continuously pursue each other. Maybe men can relate to this. When you found the lady that you're so interested about, and then you just found that, oh my God, this lady is the one that I like. I think this is the one that God has ordained for me. What do you do? You begin to pursue her. You start with phone calls. You start calling the person morning, afternoon, evening, right? Is this something that you can relate to? That you start calling the person. The guys can just start calling and just calling. That, ah, I've been calling her. She's not answering. Then the guy's mood begins to change. What is wrong with her? Ah, is she still okay with me? You know, if it's the lady on the receiving end, See, when you see your mister calling, it's like your face just blows up. You begin to blush. Oh my God, is he, he's calling me. And then they pick it. When they pick it, they make that silky voice. Hello? And then they answer the call. You know, when we're young, that there's something we call free night call. Oh my God. It is when the calls are free from midnight to maybe 6 a.m., right? When the calls are free from midnight to 6 a.m. And then you can start. You can just wait till 11.59 as long as they stop. Bing. Hello. And then the lovey-dovey starts. The conversation starts. And then you can talk and 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 fall asleep. Sometimes you know you are finished talking. And they say, okay, okay, um, yeah, let's talk tomorrow. Okay, but no, I don't want to hang up. You hang up first. I don't want to hang up. You hang up. No, no, the, the guy will say, no, Nietzsche, I don't want to hang up. 
And then the lady will say, no, me too, I don't want to hang out. And they will be doing, I don't want to hang out banter before they realize they are still talking for another 30 minutes. At that moment, there is this element of pursuit in it. Everyone is trying to be their best self for the person. Is somebody with me? That's how the foundation of most love stories started. You know, my wife was telling me a story that when we used to do free night calls, and they would be talking and talking, and then we'll talk all night. You know, when you are not paying for the calls, you can be on the phone and sleep. And it's like you are virtually sleeping with a person. It's like you don't want to lose God. Then she will just be on the free night because when she wakes up in the morning, her grandma will say, Hey, you are tired though. You were working all night. You were talking, talking, talking. Go and rest. Go and rest. Are you with me? There is that element of pursuit at that stage of the relationship. And by the way, if you are single and you're a lady and nobody is pursuing you, you are in a relationship and there's no pursuit, that's a red flag. Even at talking stage, courting stage, they are not pursuing you with phone calls. What, what is going to happen when you get married? Are you with me? Now, all of these lovey-dovey elements that start when we start pursuing each other. Maybe the guy is trying to, you know, put a proposal ahead. You know, I like you. The lady say, let me think about it. Most guys hated that thing. Let me think about it. You know, there are some people, they just want to think about it for another two months. And you ask, Abba, where is your mind? <laughs> Can you just make one decision and let us move on? And then it will be tossing you. And then you, still, you keep giving your reasons why they should accept you. That moment is like a chase and everything is interesting. And then you go on. Then you finish that chase. You say, okay, now I have accepted. And then you just alerting all your guys. And naturally, that lady, oh, the Adirunam, Adirunam. <laughs> She's mine. That's where you start changing the, the contact on your phone. Some will just do, baby, my love, or my heart. You know the emoji sign? Then they will be putting it there. It's still elementary. Then it will move on, courting stage, before you realize you are talking to your parents, before you realize marriage. But the challenge many marriages experience is that once the marriage sets in, the pursuit stops. When the challenges of life begins to roll in, you now have bills to pay. You now have household chores to do. You now have cooking to do, washing to do, dustbin to, to empty. So many elements of life rolling, and then that element of pursuit it gradually begins to erode. It begins to erode. And it's like we are now losing touch of the very things that connected us from the beginning. Do you understand? And one thing that we have to understand is that no matter how much God's intention concerning marriages, it still will require an effort or a certain amount of work for it to work. Can you... Imagine anything in this life that if you get lazy about that will still work. Is there anything like that? Nothing in this life will work if you don't work it. 
nothing in this life will work if you don't work it. So that means that marriage requires an effort. It requires a certain element of work. That if it will work, it means that both parties must put in some intentional effort to make it work. Are we together now? If it's going to work, both parties must put in an intentional effort and say, we want this marriage to work. And then by that synergy of work that is being put in, we know that to a certain degree we will have success. Is somebody here? So that means that no marriage is devoid of work. Continuously we must work it. Say with me, work it. Continuously we must work it. We must work it to make it work. Now this word dabak, which we talked about, which means clean, is the same word that was used in Judges chapter 20, verse 45. Judges chapter number 20, verse 45. And it speaks of Gideon and his men when they went on to battle. The Bible said that they followed hard. He said, and they turned and fled on the wilderness onto the rock of Rimon, and they gleaned of them in the highways, 5,000 men, and pursued hard after them unto Gibbon, and slew, slew 2,000 men of them. Do you see that? He pursued hard. So the pursuit came with a certain element of effort. It's not like they tried it and then there was some, some, some kind of resistance and they stopped. They pursued. You see, if every man or woman, especially men, will pursue after their wives the same way they were pursuing them when they wanted their hand in marriage, I think it will make a difference. But sometimes it seems like, oh, when the, the challenges of life, the, the the roads, then the tolls of life sets in, we just need the marriage as if it's on autopilot and it will work by itself. At least it's not Tesla. So someone has to get behind the driving seat and constantly put in some effort and say that I want to make this marriage work. Is someone here? Now I want to share with us Three ways that we can skip the spark and flames of pursuit in marriage. Listen, if you are not married yet, this message is actually for you. Because it helps you to prepare yourself for it. Are you with me? Maybe you thought that the moment we're going to get married is going to be all lovey dovey. Oh my God, I do, I do. You just did it and you just enter. The next day you ask, what are we going to do? We are going to work it. That's the next thing after marriage. When the congratulations and the pictures are done, and your mommy and daddy gives you bye-bye, they give you all the presents, the next thing is what? Work. Three ways to keep the spark and flames of pursuit. Number one, when you think something good about your spouse, say it. When you think about something good about your spouse, Say it. Why do you have to say it? Because as long as it's in your mind, nobody knows about it. Intentions are good, 
but intentions cannot beat actions. So if you, you think about something good about your spouse, you have to voice it out. Say it. Why is it important to say it? Because words are powerful. And this time you're not just using a negative or foul words, but you are using words positively. You are now becoming a master of your words. You master how to use words and how you can use the words to affect the life of the person that you love. So you think about something good about them and then you have to say, oh baby, I love you. I love you and I love the way you care for us in this house. Are you with me? Oh my God, let me point it this way. <laughs> I love you. I love how you love me. Do you understand? You just say something nice. Something nice. Words of affirmation. Words that empower, words that inspire the person. Do you know that if you say something nice about somebody, it's likely they'll reciprocate. It's likely they are going to reciprocate. That you said something nice. All right, let's try it this way. How have you felt when someone said something nice about you? Did you feel good? Did you feel like uh, you, you just got an installer? Maybe you might, you might be sure, but oh my God, I love your hair. Like the hair begins to jump up a bit. Compliments are good. And everybody wants to be complimented. Do you understand? But you see, we cannot run marriage when every word that comes out of our mouths are discouraging. Why are you always like this? Why did I even marry you? Do you know that it can get so bad that somebody that decided to marry another person, the next moment they're asking themselves, why did I marry you? Why did I even marry someone like you? You see, these are not words that God expects us to speak in our homes, especially in our marriage, because what it does is that it begins to downgrade the person, devalue the person, demoralize the person, and the person begins to become flaccid and flat. You kill the spirit of people if all the words that comes out of your mouth is criticisms. You are always critical. Why, why did you not do this? Praise God. Are you with me? So when you think about something nice about your spouse, don't let it be in your head. Say it. Learn to be expressive of words. You have to learn to be expressive of words that you are using your words to frame the kind of life and marriage you want to see. Well, if you see someone and their wife and they are moving nice and lovey-dovey like that, you might think the grass is greener at their feet and they don't have any issues. Oh yeah, everybody has issues. I can say that the challenges that, fall, that, that, that before bad marriages is the same challenges that before good marriages. The difference is that those that have good marriages, they have learned how to master their emotions and their words to build each other up. Are you with me? Almost all marriages, there's quarrel about money at some point. There's quarrel about, ah, who is supposed to do this? Are you not helping me? Oh, wow, but I'm too tired. No, you should have helped me with this. You understand? There's also quarrel about the fact that the men went to the, the kitchen, they washed their plates, and then they left the foam in the sink. <laughs> and I think they are blind. <laughs> there's always why, why is it that this thing is on the floor why is your socks on the floor I don't know what causes men to change 
Amen. There's also quarrel about why are you always making us late? Can you not wake up early and get up early? And then someone will say, Yvette, you can go and leave me. There's always that element in almost every marriage. But you know, some people can let that small thing break them apart. Are you with me? Praise God. Am I shaking someone's table? Amen. One of the things that I learned from a book, I think it's called Five Love Languages, is to talk about the different love languages that different people respond to. And I think one of them is the language of words, touch, time, gifts, and acts of service. At least if you are going to live with someone, you have to learn something about the person and see what the person likes. What makes the person tick? Do you understand? You know, there are some people, if you like, buy them the whole world and not help them in the kitchen. They don't appreciate it. Some people will like that you wash the place for them instead of buying them flowers. Some people also love that you are giving them time and attention. That you are giving out time for them. You are making time out of your busy schedule and being intentional about spending some quality time with the person. Some is just about complimenting them. Oh my God, I like your hair. You look so beautiful. Do you understand? So you don't have to get tired of using words. You see, there are two ways that men and women respond to words. Women want to know that you still love them. You still need them around them. So as a man, you have to be a master of using your words not in a flattering way, but meaning it, being intentional about it, to always reassure the person that you still have her in mind. You still have her at heart, knowing that, oh my God, my husband is still, he's still there for me. Do you understand? So you're always finding a way to make it feel like day one. And then for a man, a man wants to have a sense of affirmation, knowing that you still believe in him. So you are find, finding ways to encourage and inspire and to bring out the king in him. That you're saying something that motivates him and gives him that sense of affirmation. Oh, okay, this woman still believes in me. She's still behind me. Do you understand? Now, the second thing is that when you think about something special, do it. Amen. I told you intentions without actions are not enough. Have you, have you noticed that you wanted to do something for someone and you didn't do it and it's like the person just asked for it? So, like, oh, I had in mind to do it and say, ah, don't lie to me, don't lie. But truly speaking, you had the intentions. But you see, that forgetfulness or that delay to carry out that intention, you lose points. Is someone here. So when you think about something nice about your spouse, you go ahead and do it. You do it knowing that they are going to appreciate it. You see? And when you do stuff, you go out of your way to do stuff for people. They, it, it helps them appreciate or understand the fact that you, you still value them. One of the challenges for many marriages, according to statistics, that leads to divorce is that sometimes, especially on the part of women, they feel like the man is no longer committed. Do you get it? 
in any relationship when there is a sense or a feeling that there's no commitment it affects the bond and the intimacy that comes into it in my son to be intentional about doing stuff special you know sometimes i have it in mind but at least i'm too slow to act then you know i get just one stroke and hey you have done it better are you with me pastor is still learning all no, the thing about marriage is nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. Nobody has a perfect one. We are all learning by the grace of God. Amen. Praise God. Number three. When you want something different, be it. Be the change you are looking for. When you want something different, be it. Be the change you are looking for. You know, sometimes it's not sometimes, many times, it's easy to criticize people. And when you want to talk about something, maybe you want to change in how people do things, especially in a marital context, you have to define it by being it yourself. For example, maybe your spouse did something you were not excited about and you want to talk about it. And then he said, why are you always like this? Why are you always like this? Why don't you always cook on time? Do you understand? Maybe it's something a person has done a couple of times and you want to talk about it. You want to experience change. But then what you do is you don't label the person. Because the moment you say, why are you always... You have come to a place of conclusion. You have assumed that this is the nature of the person. And then you have not given room for the person to change. How about saying differently? Like, oh, you know, I would have loved if we could do things differently this way. You see? And then you become the example of what you want to see. And then as you keep on knowing how to use your words in a positive and a more um consensuous manner you begin to influence the person to become the change you are looking for so what you are not doing is that instead of being a critic you are now becoming an influence so we can move from being critics to becoming influencers in our own home by becoming the example of what we want to see is somebody here so then if we are going to make things work we have to make adjustments. And sometimes we learn these things from previous marriages we have seen. Sometimes it could be that we learned it from home. You learned it from home. You saw it being the order of the day. You saw that there was always argument somewhere. There's one person shouting and there's another person frowning here and there. But you see, the word of God is our standard. You can watch things on Nollywood and Hollywood, Bollywood, Gollywood, what kind of wood, but it cannot be your standard. Your Instagram influencers cannot be a standard. Our standard is the word of God. Our culture is not even enough to become our standard because many things that we learn from the word of God is counter-cultural. And that is God's idea for an ultimate marriage in the eyes of God. And so sometimes, if we want to make it where we have to ditch some cultures, that doesn't work. Are you with me? We have to ditch some cultures, that doesn't work. 
I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible that says that the woman should cook. But if the, among the two of us, the woman is the better cook, I think it makes sense for her to cook. Are you with me on that? <laughs> no, unless you can show me. The same way, what in the Bible? Anywhere that says that is the man that has to pay all the bills. You know, many times, if you come from a culture like mine, they will tell you when a woman is going to marry, when you get something, bring it to him. When you get in care depth, keep it for your husband. Lies from the pit of hell. Are you with me? Like I said last week, that God sees the family unit as one. So it doesn't matter who is earning more than who. Do you understand? Respect and honor in the family, in the marriage, should not be based on paycheck. If we are going to be one in marriage, then we have to look at it from the islands of the word of God. That God is seeing this family as one unit, and if God wants to bless us, he can choose any avenue to bless us. Whether it's from the woman or from the man, it's the same thing. Do you understand? And then us pulling resources together, what it does is that it strengthens the base of the family unit. That way we are able to accomplish all that God has for us. Anything that cannot pull you together would eventually drift you apart. And unfortunately, that is the story of many marriages in this country. Most of the challenges many marriages are experiencing in the UK is money-oriented. Is money. Say, so, me, I want to, I'm going to pay this bill. You are going to do this. No, I'm going to use my money to build a house for my family. What is your business? Are you with me? That's why he said that the man shall leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall become one. What that actually means is that you are living to cleave, and living to cleave means your priorities must change. Your priorities must change. We know that it's your mother and father that gave birth to you. But if you're going to take someone's child in marriage, then your priorities must change. She must become number one. Are you with me at all? And what I'm saying sounds countercultural. Because you, you, know, you know how I carried you for nine months. When I was going to give birth to you, they, they, they cut me in cesarean. You see, that's how you hear all the elements concerning your birth. But that's notwithstanding, the word of God says that you must live to cleave. You must leave the familiar and then cleave to this one that you have taken as a wife or as a husband. You cannot be living in a marriage and if you want to make a decision, let me go and ask my father first. When you, you have not consulted your husband or your wife. Or let me go and ask my friend. Are you with me at all? I know your father is holding his wife, but if you are going to ask for external counsel, it must be because the two of you agreed that let us go and ask this person. Even your pastor must not have a say in your marriage more than your, your spouse. Are we together here? That's what the verse of scripture says. It is bringing oneness and oneness means we must now change our priorities. A person who cannot adjust their priorities is not ready for marriage. You know, sometimes we say, this person, when they marry, they have changed. And sometimes we, when we hear stuff like that, it feels like it's a negative thing. It's actually good. 
Nobody has married if they have not changed. Marriage must change you. In fact, it has changed you because your priorities have changed. Are you with me? It must change you. It demands that you change. You must leave to cleave, make room for that adjustment because you are bringing someone in your life who has never been there. And you must create that room for them to exist with you, partner with you, and become all that God has ordained for that union. Are we here? My focus today is on two things. The pursuit element of marriage and the purity element of marriage. If marriage is going to work, then we must ensure that we keep the marital union pure. Is somebody here with me? If we want to adjust or, or increase or maximize the pursuit in our marriage, I've mentioned three things. That number one, when you think something good about your spouse, say it. When you think about something special, do it. When you want something different, be it. Now, when it comes to purity, you have to first and foremost acknowledge that the marriage union is sacred and holy unto God. Is someone here? Let me ask a question. Do you think that the people that cheat in their marriages... By the time they wanted to marry, they planned that as I'm going to this marriage, I'm going to cheat. Do you think so? Did they plan to? No. Some, they might plan to do it, but many times, most people don't plan to. Now the question now means, how did they end up there? Are you with me? The first thing is that you have to acknowledge that the marriage union is sacred and your body is a temple of God. The marital union is sacred and your body is a temple of God. And because your body is the temple of God, you cannot desecrate the temple of God with impurity. And when we talk about the vow, many times because the vow has become, you know, mostly it's almost become common. I hereby take thee to have and to hold as my lovely or lawfully wedded husband to love and to hold for better, for what, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till them do us part, whatever it is. You see, when because we have used it over and over and over again, many people do not see what the vow actually means. The vow, no matter whatever way you say it, whether you said some or you didn't say it, the moment the two of you come into holy matrimony, you form a covenant. What God sees is a covenant, right? And guess who is the witness of that covenant? God. Malachi chapter 2 verse 14. Let's look at something. Oh my God, this is beautiful. Malachi chapter 2 verse 14. Now I want us all to read together. He said, Yet ye say, Wherefore, because the Lord has been witness be between thee and the wife of thy youth, 
against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is see thy companion, the wife of thy covenant. So that marriage union that you enter into or will enter into is a covenant. And God is the witness of that covenant. Although when you do it, we are human witnesses, but God is the ultimate witness of that covenant. So you must always acknowledge the integrity of God that he has used to back up that union and say that I'm going to honor this covenant. So you have to learn to, to honor God in the covenant that he has stood in as a witness for you. One of the beautiful things I saw in the Bible when it comes to, you know, honoring your, yourself and being pure, pure is the example of Joseph in the Bible. The Bible said that Potiphar's wife gave the guy the access. Oh, I'm your master's wife. You are just a slim guy, but I think, I think you're looking nice. Let's do something nice. And Joseph gave an answer which I believe every Christian must pay attention to. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 7 to 9, Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife to have an affair with her. They were not in a marital union. In fact, the woman was married, Joseph was not. And so this also applies to singles. You might be single and somebody is saying that, you know what, I want to give you a job, but before I give you the job, let's do something nice. Are you with me? Or you guys might still be dating, so let's try something, let's do something nice. Joseph was presented with an offer of fornication, but he said in verse 9 of Genesis 39, he said, there is none greater in this house than I, neither has my master kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. So he saw that the sin of fornication was against God. He honored God and the covenant of God upon his life and said, I cannot sin against God. And he said, this is great wickedness. Do you understand? So many times people are drawn by their own selfish desires and then they find themselves in the acts of fornication, not realizing the implications that it will bring. You know, I always see it that... Um, when you get yourself into these things, one of the things that happens is that you break the heart of God. All the investment of God upon your life, you just sacrifice it for some few minutes of earth. You break the heart of God. And this is not gender specific. It applies to both male and female. Are you with me? You break the heart of God. And it's possible you lose your reputation. You lose your reputation. And then if you have children, you have to face your children. How do you explain to them that you, daddy or mommy, that's supposed to be an example. This is what you're doing. Are you with me? And then you have to face your partner. The trust they give you. 
you have destroyed the trust. And this is where many times people find themselves and it's, for some people, it's a, it's a deal breaker. Although as much as many people would say that adultery is a ground for divorce, it's also a ground for forgiveness. God forgives and then we can also find room to forgive. Do you understand? But then again, most of us having young marriages, we can put things in place to avoid these things. Number one, we must learn to avoid secrecy. Secrets. You have no business keeping secrets in marriage. Are you with me? One of the ways of building a sustainable marriage free from impurity is becoming open and transparent. Open and transparent. Honest, open and transparent. That there's nothing that you are hiding. Do you know the thing about hiding things? When you start hiding things, you put yourself in darkness. And the Bible said anything that is hidden, it will eventually be revealed. It is something that the word of God has said. So no matter how long you hide a thing, it will get revealed. Secrets. Because you see, the secrets, secrets are the enemies of intimacy. Secrets. They are the enemies of intimacy. You, as you are keeping secrets, you are giving room for suspicion. Suspicion. Why? You, you have put, you have one phone and your password, it starts with a, a pattern. When you finish breaking the pattern, you have to key in alphanumeric characters. When you finish, you have to add face ID. What are, are you an FBI agent? Are you an FBI agent? That you have put so many locks. Nobody knows this, the password to your phone. Nobody knows the password to your laptop. Nobody knows the password to your social media account. What exactly are you hiding? What is in data protection? <laughs> You understand me? So, if you are not comfortable offering your phone to someone, there's something wrong. Because that's where it starts from. It starts from one message, hi. And someone said, hi, hon. Then you said, hi, love. You know the love that they, they write with L-U-V. And that's where it starts from. Some small, small messages here and there. Somebody test you on IG. Somebody test you on, somebody send you a friend because you look at this person and say, Abba, what, what do you want from me? <laughs> Are you with me? So you see, avoid secrets. Offer information freely. Where are you? Uh, uh, where are you? What's the meaning of, uh, uh, just say where you are. Why don't you just say that I'm, I'm going here? This is where I am. You know, then up to date, up to the minute updates. So that there's no room for suspicion. Nobody knows where you are going. You, we know the time you close from work. And when we calculate the journey time from your workplace to home, you are beating the time. You know, my wife knows that how long it takes me to get on the train to get home. If I am not coming, say, well, <laughs> my phone starts buzzing. Are you with me? So you have to create an atmosphere of openness, transparency. Honesty, whether it's about money, let a person know how you are spending your money, who you are sending money to, 
where you start okay let me not go there do you know that there are so many people they are living abroad and they are sponsoring some girls in in, in africa or ghana somewhere they are spending money they send money oh let's say data data money data let's let me send you data so that we can do video call do you know what people are doing on their video calls they are getting new pictures as returns for the data you have no business doing that as a married person are you with me so avoiding secrecy is a great way to secure your marriage from impurity keep your mind on godly things Keep your mind on what? Godly things. Don't listen to and watch trash. Trash. These days you can go to Instagram and you just see one picture can fly. Hey! Blood of Jesus. Are you with me? And then you can be reading something and you can have some mental pictures popping up. Sometimes pornographic images and pornographic videos they begin to stir up things within you. Do you understand? Sometimes people, they just, just fantasize about people you are seeing online. Maybe you just saw somebody who has a particular shape. And then you just fantasize. That's what Jesus was talking about. That is, even before you, as you are thinking about it, in the eyes of Jesus, you have done it. You don't need to end up in bed with a person. He said, as you are looking and thinking and imagining things, Remember, the Bible said, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask. Or, if he can pick your thoughts as prayer point, then your thoughts matters. If he can pick your thoughts as a prayer point, then your thoughts matters. You don't, you just think it. You just think it and you see that what you are thinking, I have done it. Or I can do it for you. That means that the things that you are picturing in your heart and in your mind on your phone, it is being recorded. Are you with me? S listen, put things around you that will create an honest and transparent life. That anybody can know your password, it's even a deterrent that you don't have to go to certain websites to look at stuff. Are you with me? No, everybody around me knows my password. They know my password. All my nephews, they know my password. I've been changing for years. What am I hiding? Nothing. You see, when you do that, it creates room for you to be transparent. It's like you are setting boundaries on yourself. And that's the next thing I'm going to say. Set boundaries. Set boundaries. You don't have boundaries on who you have to chat with and the kind of conversations you have with people. You said you were checking up on somebody and what is this? I miss you. I'm not saying saying I miss you, but, but some, some, some level of I miss you is suspicious. Are you with me? You are, you are trying to hug almost every woman you are seeing. You don't have any boundaries. You don't have time that say, at, at this time I don't answer calls. At this time I don't answer calls. At this time I don't engage in conversations. You, you must set some boundaries around you that there should be some, at least, have some working hours in your life. Are you with me? People who don't have boundaries, they expose themselves to impurity. I want us to look at something from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 2 to 4. 
And this will help somebody. And I believe this can change somebody's life. This verse of scripture changed my life so many years ago when I found it. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. He said, For ye know what commandment we give you by the Lord Jesus. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Say that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. He said every one of you should know how. How to what? Possess his vessel in sanctification. So you can put measures in place to help you avoid sexual sin. You know, you know, you like a particular lady. Now you have locked yourself the person in a particular room. And the night is nighting. The bears are all asleep. The sky is blue. The moon is... The moon is there. And you know, there are sometimes at a certain time of the night that you don't have any better conversation. You guys are too crave. <laughs> there are some times of the night is like you don't have any better thing to talk about. We have to go deeper. You don't have boundaries. Because if you had boundaries, you know that it's nine o'clock. I'm not supposed to be having conversations with this person. If you have boundaries, you know that when you go to someone's house, there's a place that you can sit. It's called lobby or parlor or living room. It's not a person's bedroom and on their bed that you are sitting. Young people, are you listening? Set boundaries. You must know the kind of conversations you should have with the opposite sex. And you must know the limits of those conversations and draw the line. I can't cross this line. I can't cross this line. Somebody saying, hey, you are married one. Somebody say, oh, you are so beautiful. Oh, I can't stop thinking about you. And you are still listening to that conversation. Praise God. A married man, you have no business telling a woman more than... No, no let's just... Oh, I like, I like... You are always liking somebody's dress. What are you seeing in the dress? Good. At least you, are, you look at a dress and it's nice. Just go and buy one for your wife. And let her wear it and admire her in the house. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So you have to set what? Boundaries. Set boundaries. Know your limits. Know how far you can go. And I believe strongly that God is set to cause many marriages to work in our generation. Because we are going to navigate it by the word of God and by the wisdom of God. And by that wisdom, we will set ourselves free from sexual sin, impurity, and keep our marriages pure. I want us to lift up our voice and pray. That the vow that we have taken before God or the vow that we will take before God in marriage that we would honor and by the wisdom of God navigate or set our lives in order so that we don't fall prey 
such that we don't fall prey. I want you to just speak to God in a few seconds, a few minutes. Oh Lord, that marriages here will last. That the wisdom, the wisdom, the wisdom to navigate the course of marriages that will not fall prey to sexual sin and impurity. The wisdom to be able to pursue our spouses. To be able to pursue our spouses in intimacy, in oneness. In intimacy, in oneness, to keep ourselves for each other. To be able to fulfill your the demands, your demands on our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, somebody. Amen. Our marriages will last in Jesus' name. And God will be excited about it. Amen. Amen. Have you been blessed?